what if just beyond this season of turmoil is your best season yet? Kevin Wallace dives into how God can turn any season into a time of blessing in his new book, After This. It's available now to order. Receive your copy today by visiting www.kevinwallace.tv. Stand firm and believe there is an After This. Hey family, Kevin Wallace here from Redemption to the Nations Church. I've got a message for you today that I believe God gave me to bring strength and hope and joy to your journey. I want you to get your heart open. I want you to get ready to receive this word. I don't believe your life's ever gonna be the same again. God's getting ready to take you to a new level. I'll see you at the end of this message and we'll pray together. God bless, enjoy this word. I want you to go with me to Psalm 144. And I want you to look at verse number 11. We're going to read this off the screen uh, this morning together. And I believe there's something for us in the word of the Lord today. I want to preach a message this morning called Conquering Complaining. I'm not going to get a whole lot of help. Y'all don't know how much the Lord encouraged me while I was preparing this message. And I was like, God, why are you making me feel so good? He said, because they're not going to help you much this morning. It's okay, though. It's the truth. And how many know God's going to give us victory over complaining? And I don't know if you need it or your neighbor needs it, but somebody needs it today. And I want you to know that God's taking your life and my life to another level. We've been talking a lot uh, about stepping into the greater and the more of God. And I, wanted, I really felt like the Lord just whispered a little caution to me this week and reminded me that complaining can keep you out of promised places. And I want to talk about that today. So let's look at this together. Verse number 11, let's read it together. Rid me and deliver me from the hand of strange children whose mouth speaks vanity and their right hand is a right hand of falsehood that our sons may be as plants grown up in their youth, that our daughters may be as cornerstones polished after the similitude of a palace, that our garners may be full, affording all manner of store, that our sheep may bring forth thousands and ten thousands in our streets, that our oxen may be strong to labor, that there be no breaking in nor going out, that there be... I feel like we need to read that one more time. That there be complaining in our street. Last verse. Happy is that people that is in such a case. Yay. Yay. Happy is the people whose God is the Lord. Can someone say amen for the word? And then I want you to go to Philippians chapter 2, verse 14. Verse 14. Do all things without murmuring and disputing. You don't need no more than that right there. Do all things without murmuring and disputing. Look at someone, tell them, neighbor, let's conquer complaining. How many want to conquer it today? Bow your head and let me pray for you and you pray for me. Father, I thank you today for the spirit of the Lord that is in this room, working in the hearts of people. 
opening minds and hearts to receive from God today. I pray today that ears would come open and eyes would be open to the things of God and things that have been hidden for us would be revealed to us today that we may step into truth and revelation and become aware of which, that which was previously hidden from our lives. I pray today, Father, that you will take us corporately from glory to glory, that the Spirit of the Lord will work in the hearts of your people. I pray today, God, in Jesus' name, that hard-hearted people in this room people who have resisted you, people who have pushed you away and said no to you in the past. I thank you today, Lord, that you'll melt their hearts because of your love. And you will draw them near you today. Father, you will redeem people today because you are good and you're a redeemer. So help me to teach today, Lord. May I operate in a grace that causes the word of God to pierce into the heart, make it alive. I thank you that the enemy is defeated. And we're coming through out of wildernesses into promised lands for the glory of God. And we ask it in Jesus' name. And if you receive it, say amen. 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 You can be seated in the presence of the Lord. I am amazed at how David the king is transparent and often shares the most intimate things going on in his heart. And we have the privilege of reading those psalms, and many times those psalms speak strength to us because David in his journey faced trials and challenges and went through stuff in his life, and he chronicled and journaled those moments of breakthrough where God was faithful and helped him when he was uh, backed up into a corner, didn't know how he was going to get out. It was God that brought him through. And David often wrote those moments down, and we have the privilege of reading those things. And then you come to Psalms like Psalm 144, and you begin to see the content of David's heart regarding his people that he led, the people of Israel. He, he is a king in this psalm. He has the responsibility of leading thousands and thousands of people. He has the task of being a voice of of leadership to them, and, and he carries a burden. Remind you that David is a man the Bible calls a man after God's own heart. So in all of his leading, and all of his being a king, in everything that he did in terms of leading the people, he carried the heart of God, the nature of God, toward the people of God. He wanted to see them become everything God had called them to be. And so this, this 144th chapter of Psalms lets us in on a portion of David's dream regarding the people of God. And he wants them to step into their purpose. He wants them to step into their destiny. I read to you from Psalm 144 of how he wanted the sons to become who they were called to be and the daughters to be like polished stone in the palace. He wants the children and the, and the teenagers and the young men and every person in the, in the community of Israel to become everything God had called them to be. He wants them to live in their purpose and be the people of God. But he recognizes in order for this to happen, there must be some alignment. So that's why he prays in the 11th verse of the 144th Psalm. He prays, Lord, take people out of my life who speak vanity. Take people out of my life who are full of falsity. Listen, you can't step into your purpose if all you hang out with are negative people. 
you, you, you can't possibly have a positive outcome if you are continually daily inundated with people who are negative and constantly critical and full of, just full of a lot of discontentment. And this, this message is real pastoral today, but some of us don't need another deep prophetic revelation. We need some truth that we can actually go apply so that we can step into the prophecy God's been releasing over our life. Because many times we have prophetic words, but we have haven't had the practical application and practical obedience to position ourselves to receive the prophecy that God has released over our life. There are prophecies hanging over your life, but there are people hindering those prophecies. I don't want to be mean and critical, but you need to make sure you're not running. You cannot run with chickens and soar with eagles. So David says, get people out of my life full of falsity. Get people out of my life that are that are bad news to me, and, 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 and let our sons and our daughters be everything God called them to be. And then he goes on to talk about provision in the land. He says, let the field be full of sheep. In fact, let the sheep be so fruitful that they overflow into the streets, that the fats and that the, uh, the storehouse is overflowing. It's this picture of national tranquility and national blessing on Israel. That's what he's painting for us in Psalm 144. He wants us to, to, to see into his heart that he's praying for the people of God to step into the fullness that God has for them. That's where we are right now in January. We're in 100 days to glory. We're simply trying to encourage people to step out of the wilderness of their life and step into the promised land that God has for you. I want you to know that the promised land is not a figment of your imagination. It's not a dream that you hope comes true. It's a true promise. When God makes you a promise about your life, God says heaven and earth will pass away, but what I said over you, it will surely come to pass. Now, you and I have the privilege of watching it all happen, but we also have the risk of delaying that. I don't know if you know this or not, but the trip through the wilderness that the people of God took was about a four-day journey, and it wound up taking 40 years. Is that God's fault? Far be it. No, it's not God's fault at all. It's the people of God's fault who have promise over their life but have not gotten with the program and have delayed the promise from coming to pass. Now, I want to preach this today because I really believe what God is wanting to say to, to us individually is that it's time to stop the delays. It, stop being your own worst enemy. How many know that, that we, can, we can rebuke the devil until our rebuker breaks down, but sometimes the devil is not in need of rebuking. In fact, might I encourage you that the devil has already been defeated. I can't find no help in this church. The devil is not just going to be defeated. The devil has already been defeated. What I'm trying to do most of the time is stay out of my own way. And I feel like there are some people that are standing on the precipice of promised land, but you've got to make up your mind today that if my family's going to be what God called it to be, if I'm going to be what God called me to be, if I'm going to do what God called me to do, there's some stuff that I need to take, some, some measures that I need to take to keep me from hindering me. And the first thing 
I think God wants to put his finger on this morning is this issue of complaining. Complaining. Everybody say complaining. If you're a first-time guest, I should come back next Sunday, okay? That's all I can say. Come back tonight. Everybody, come on. Come back tonight. We're going to have church tonight. It's going to be powerful. You don't want to miss tonight, 6 p.m. It's going to be incredible. But this message today is one of those, put your seatbelt on, okay? Here we go. Complaining is a verbal expression of discontentment with what you have and where you are and what is going on. A verbal expression of discontentment with what you have, where you are, and what is going on in your life. And ultimately, complaining is an expression of a lack of faith that you don't know if God is for you and you don't know if God wants to do something good in your life and you don't know if you like where God is taking you. It's discontentment. It's an expression not just of frustration, but it's an expression of a lack of faith. So David prays this prayer, and he says, let our sons and daughters become everything you want them to be. Let our, let our cattle overflow. Let our storehouses overflow with harvest. And then he gets to the end of this, and he says, and by the way, God, take complaining out of the streets. Thank you, Jesus. Why would King David... Pray about purpose, pray about destiny, pray about provision, pray about God's blessing. And before he ends the prayer, why would he say, and take complaining out of the streets? I'll tell you why David ended the prayer by praying for God to remove the complaining. He understands the negative effect that complaining has on our future. Now imagine this. Imagine you're King David leading the people of Israel and you're living in a city that you never had to build. It was a city given to you by God. Israel was not even a people. They had nothing. And then God takes them out of Egypt and gives them a land and now they have a king and they're standing in streets that 400 years ago they didn't even own. And now they're in the streets that God gave them and they are complaining about life having forgotten that they used to be slaves and now they're free. And David says, I'm the king and I walk through the streets of my city and all I hear sometimes is murmuring and complaining. And if we're going to be who God called us to be and if we're going to operate in the purpose God called us to, Lord God, take the complaining out of the streets. Now, I want to tell you something. I think it's in order for lost people to be full of complaining. Because if I were lost and not saved by the grace of God, I'd have no hope of a future. If we were lost and had... And, and our sins were not forgiven and heaven was not our home and we didn't have brothers and sisters in Christ to, to do life with and to walk this journey. If, if life was that dark and miserable, I'd probably be a complainer. But I'm concerned today 
that the complaining that is, that is most bothersome to heaven is not what God hears in the bars or the crack houses or, or, or Washington or New York. or where. I think the complaining that is getting on the nerves of God is the complaints that continually spew out of the mouths of the redeemed. Told you it's going to be a rough one. Just buckle up a minute here. If we're going to walk in our purpose, we cannot be people who use the instrument called the mouth that God created to bless people with and continually open it to vomit the curses that bring a hindrance and a delay to our purpose. Have you ever, have you ever preached a sermon and not felt very received? I'm feeling it right now. And I know there are a million excuses for you and I to justify complaining. Because there are people in your life that drive you nuts. There are situations you go through that you can't explain. There are problems that you face that don't seem fair and they don't seem just. And you're trying to live right and wrong things keep happening. And where is God and why am I here and what is going on? And it's just easier to spew out a complaint. I want you to hear me tell you this today. At the root of a complaining spirit is a root of resentment and bitterness. Resentment and bitterness are at the core of a complaining spirit. Let me show you this. In the book of Exodus... You know the story of how Israel was in Egyptian bondage for 400 years. And the Bible tells us in the, in, the, in the book of Exodus, the third chapter, the Bible tells us that they cried out to God because of their bondage. And the Lord shows up on the backside of a Midianite sheep field and he appears in the, in the, in the form of this bush that is on fire. And from this bush that is on fire but is not being consumed comes the voice of Yahweh to a man named Moses. Take your shoes off, Moses, you're on holy ground. You've heard this story. Take your shoes off, Moses, you're on holy ground. And Moses takes his shoes off, and God begins to talk to Moses from this burning bush. And he says, I have heard my people. They've been crying out for 400 years. And watch, I have come down to deliver them. Amazing, right? And what happens in, the, in, in, in this sheep field as Moses, I mean, first of all, can we, just, can we at least acknowledge the fact that this is pretty amazing? A bush is on fire but not burning up. And there's a voice coming out of the bush. I don't know if that's normal to you. I've never seen it before. The Bible says that from this burning bush comes the voice of God and Moses literally complains to God who is talking from a burning bush. You could have given me more gifts. You could have given me a better speech. I've got an impediment in my talking. I'm not even qualified to do this. And by the way, who shall I tell them sent me when I go stand before Pharaoh? Tell them I am. The complaining literally started when the assignment was given. So Moses trots back to Egypt, walks into the presence of Pharaoh and says, Yahweh says, let his people go. Pharaoh says, who is the Lord that I should obey him, right? You know the story, 10 plagues later, 
The judgment of God falls upon Pharaoh. God crushes the Egyptian kingdom. The Nile turns into blood. Frogs cover the land. Lice infects the people. The lights go out in Egypt. I mean, it's one thing. The locusts come and destroy the, 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 uh, all of the herbs and all of the harvest. It's an amazing thing what happens in Exodus. And God brings the people out. And they cross over the Red Sea. And they're heading toward their promised land. And they get to the edge of Egypt and they're going out into the wilderness and the, thir- the 14th chapter of Exodus says this. They looked at Moses. They had just been brought out of Egypt, y'all. They look at Moses in the 14th chapter, the 11th verse and said, because there were no graves in Egypt, have you taken us away to the wilderness to die? Why have you dealt with us to bring us up out of Egypt? Is not this is not the word that we told you in Egypt saying, let us alone that we may serve the Egyptians? For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. Complaint. We don't like this wilderness. We'd rather be in bondage. And we'd rather live in captivity than be free with God in the wilderness. And the problem is that the wilderness was temporary and when the enemy gets you to thinking the wilderness is long term, you start thinking I'm going to die here. There are some of you stuck in places today that the devil has told you you're going to die in and I want to tell you you're going to live and you're not going to die and you're going to declare the works of the Lord. Quit looking at the wilderness as a place where you're going to spend the rest of your life and thank God that it's passing through. You're just passing through the wilderness. Jesus went to the wilderness. I feel like preaching right here, but he didn't stay in the wilderness. He went in the wilderness 40 days, and when he come out, he was the devil's worst nightmare. I tell you, some of you are in a temporary place, and you're coming out of it in the name of the Lord, and when you come out, you are coming out stronger than what you went in. Hallelujah. They started complaining. Did you, leave, did you bring us out of Egypt to, to let us die here? Then you go to the 16th chapter of Exodus. And the children of Israel said, Oh, that we had, this is two chapters later, they're still complaining. Oh, that we had died by the hand of the Lord in Egypt when we sat by the pots of meat and when we ate bread to the full. For you have brought us out in the wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. Imagine, if you will, being Israel walking out of your tent and the next day you walk out of your tent and God rained down bread or manna from heaven. And you go over and you grab some and you eat it and you say, I don't like this. I wish I'd have been in Egypt still eating what I used to eat. This is where we are. I wanna, oh Lord help me today. If we don't do anything else, may we repent for murmuring and may we grab a spirit of being able to be content in every season. Say amen or owe me or something. I thank God for people who shout when they get a job, a raise, and a bonus. But I really like hanging out with people who are praising when they're broke and they're rubbing food stamps together and can't find two nickels to make a dime. 
I want to praise God for all the blessing, but I want to praise him for the seasons in my life when he kept me and sustained our family and he made a way where there was no way. I'm telling you, we serve him when he opens up doors, but can you serve him when nothing is happening and it looks like hell is breaking loose? Don't complain. Don't complain. Complaining delays the process. Complaining delays the process. Now, you may say, well, that's just New Te Old Testament. No, it's in the New. John 6, Jesus is preaching a sermon. The sermon is called, Eat My Flesh and Drink My Blood. So he starts preaching this sermon called, Eat My Flesh and Drink My Blood. And the Jewish people, I'm in John chapter 6, verse 43. You can throw it up on the screen. You can look at it in your Bible. It's there. He's preaching this sermon called, Eat My Flesh and Drink My Blood. And you hear that in here and you're like, what a horrible sermon title. But he tells the hearers, unless you eat my flesh and unless you drink my blood, you have no part with me. And he wasn't talking about cannibalism. He was talking about spiritual nourishment. He was the bread that came down from God out of heaven. And his shed blood was the propitiation for our sins. Come on, I'm talking theology right here. And because he died on a cross and because he was beaten and his blood flowed, you and I don't have to face the wrath of God. The Son of God became the Son of Man so that the sons of men could become the sons of God. And unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood is not an invitation into some weird cult. It's an invitation into spiritual life through trusting in the provision that Christ gave as his own self. He gave his body as a ransom for us all. So he preaches this amazing sermon called Eat My Flesh and Drink My Blood. And people, look at verse 43 of John 6. People start complaining. How do you know they're complaining? It's not like John tells us they were complaining. Here's how we know they were complaining. Jesus went to them and said, stop your complaining. <laughs> Isn't it amazing Jesus knows the conversations you're having privately? I found this out about God, by the way. Just put this here. We'll keep moving on. God doesn't mind if you complain to him. But it's dangerous to complain about him. So they, 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 they start complaining. Who does he think he is? Oh, the life of a preacher. Who does he think he is preaching this sermon? Have you ever met people who, who their calling is li in life is to fix the preachers? Many of them run around on social media. I don't know if they have a pastor, a church, or any covering, but they are certainly anointed to fix everyone. I want to tell you something and get something off my chest today so that you understand this relationship that we have and this relationship I have with him. I am just a mailman. I don't get to decide which package is 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 yours. I'm just the mailman. The postmaster general tells me what to say and I just drop it off on Sunday and if it's got your name on it, don't chase me to the car arguing and screaming at me about the mail that I left. Just take the mail and let God do with it what he wants to do. And if you're mad about it, talk to the postmaster general. Okay. Man, I'm getting delivered. This is freeing. Okay. 
John 6, 43, Jesus looks at those and says, stop complaining. Stop murmuring. Let me tell you the difference between a murmur and a complaint. A complaint is out loud. A murmur is under your breath, but the same content. So, so it looks like this. A complainer is like, I'm so mad. I hate my life. A murmurer is, I'm so mad. I hate my life. I'm mad at God. I'm mad at the church. I'm mad at everyone. Life stinks. This is horrible. I married someone that's crazy. I didn't think they were crazy, but now they're crazy. I took this job and it looked great, but now I hate everybody that works beside me. Don't tell anybody I'm telling you this. I'm sharing this in confidentiality. You were confidentially crazy. Complaining is out loud. Murmuring is when you do it quietly, but it's the same content of heart. So he looks at them and says, stop complaining, stop murmuring. This is where it gets crazier. This is the Jewish people and the crowd that's murmuring and complaining. So he finishes this sermon called, eat my flesh and drink my blood. The disciples, the church, look at verse 61. Aware that his disciples were complaining about the message, Jesus said to them, did my sermon offend you? And they're like, who told? Who told him? We were having private conversations about being frustrated, and now all of a sudden somebody told him that we're murmuring and complaining. Listen, family, nobody's telling Jesus he knows it all. Here's what I want, to hear. I want you to hear me say. Complaining, murmuring, it hinders your ability to go into your promised land. Because it is an expression of faithlessness. You don't trust God. It's easy to trust God when everything you want is like you want it and happens when you want it and you know what's happening and it all feels good. That's an easy place to trust God. It's awful tempting to be in a season of waiting and delay it's awful tempting to be in a season of trial and challenge and to, and to look at life as if God were responsible for all of your plight and all your problem. Why does God get, get the blame for stuff he doesn't do? How many have ever heard unbelievers say, if God is good, why does sin happen? Did God do sin? If God is good, why do innocent people die? As if God kills innocent people? I think we've got to correct our theology in the church and talk people off the ledge of blaming God simply because he's sovereign as if just because he's sovereign, he did everything that happens. Can I tell you that God's will is not 100% done all the time? Now, there are people who would disagree and say, he's sovereign. His, his will is not always done. Sovereignly, at the end of time, it will work out the way he said but every day someone somewhere disobeys the will of God and, and repercussions and, and, and things happen because of their choices. Stop blaming God for choices other people made. Stop blaming God for problems that other people created. He is good. We are not always good. And sometimes our bad decisions bring bad consequences.
consequences that cause carnal people to blame a good God for something they didn't do. We blame him when something wrong happens and forget him when all the good stuff starts happening. When bad stuff happens, Jeremiah said in Lamentations, men do suffer for the consequences of their sin. And we should praise him and thank him when good things happen at all. Because we don't deserve any of the good he's given us. He's good out of his nature when we're bad out of ours. So the disciples and the Jews grumble and complain and they murmur about the message of Jesus. They said, this is too hard. Who can accept this, the disciples said. This is a hard sermon. There's a lot of complaining going on. I'm not talking about our church. I'm talking about in the kingdom. There's a lot of complaining going on when people hear solid preaching. I'm not going to get any help here, but I'm going to plow through this here. It's as if we think every sermon is meant to... We, I almost said... We have a Tickle Elmo thing in our house. It's you, 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 you scratch him right here or you play his guitar and he sings a whole song for you. makes him real happy. People turned a sermon into make me feel good. Just tickle me, make me feel good. It's called itching ears. And here's the thing about it. You will eventually migrate to somebody that, that, that if you're not careful, we will migrate to people who feed our flesh instead of feed our spirit. And sometimes I don't need to be called, I, I, sometimes I need to be embraced and I need to be loved and encouraged and I need to be smiled at and told, live your best life now. But sometimes I need to be told, get out of the bed with somebody you're not married to and quit sleeping around like a bunch of rabbits and stop drinking yourself into death and quit... Quit looking at images on a computer screen that are not real. You need to be told the truth. And it ain't always fun, but God wants you to be healthy. And What is going on in the church? What is happening? Well, I want to, I want to be, I want to feel good. I want, I want to be good. <laughs> Sometimes I need to be confronted. Sometimes I need to be challenged. You ready for this? I, I, I'm telling you this, and the love of God didn't even have this plan to say. I feel as if I should say it. There are people in this room today and some watching online who are trying to find a church. You're praying about where to go. I don't Listen, I don't want you to be here unless this is where God wants you and your family to be planted and you feel a witness to be here. But I want you to hear me very carefully. Do not go to a church that makes you feel comfortable in, and normal in sin. That's good preaching, Kev. Don't go to a place that makes you feel comfortable and cozy and normal while you're living in sin. If you're really born again, you're going to hate sin and love God, and you're going to walk in the goodness of God. Don't complain. Don't complain. I'm hurrying through. So why did Israel complain? 
I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you this, and then I'm going to give you three ways to conquer complaining. Why did Israel complain? Israel complained because she questioned the timing of God. She questioned the methods of God. And ultimately, Israel questioned the nature of God. Israel complained when she questioned the timing of God. She questioned the method of God. And she questioned the nature of God, the timing of God. In other words, can you speed this up? Because I'm getting kind of ticked that it's taken months. I'm a little bit, I'm a little bit, mm, I'm a little bit sour here, Lord, because it ain't happening so quick. You know what God does for you and I when it, when we are complaining that it's not happening faster? Do you know what God does? He waits longer. You're just not ready for promises acting like an entitled brat. So, so does he hurry it up so that you stay a member of the church? No. He slows it down to purge the carnality out of your, oh God, please, seriously? Yeah, you're just not quite ready for this yet, so I'll tell you what I'm going to do. We're going to make another lap around this thing called the wilderness so that you can get that, that, that entitlement attitude out of you. Well, I want it now. Quit questioning my timing. Am I not the God who sets it in motion? Didn't I start it and won't I finish it? And can you not trust me with what's going on in the middle? Somebody in this, God, I feel like preaching here. Somebody in this room has got to start taking the promises God gave you and stop believing the lie that they won't happen and say like Abraham, if God's got to raise my dead son up off the altar, I trust that what he said he will do. Israel questioned the, the method of God. Israel questioned the method of God. How? So they go down out of Egypt and they come to a Red Sea and they get to the Red Sea and they turn around and start complaining. Moses, you brought us to a Red Sea to kill us. What are they doing? They're complaining against the method of God. Why is this the complaint against the method of God? Because the Red Sea was not there to kill Moses and Israel. <laughs> It was a setup to kill Pharaoh and Egypt. You're missing what I'm saying. The, the, we have been cursing our Red Seas, thinking that God is setting us up for destruction. God did not bring Israel to the Red Sea to drown Israel in the Red Sea. God brought Israel to the Red Sea, knowing in his sovereign mind that he had the power to breathe on it and split it from east to west. Israel walked over on dry ground, and Pharaoh's thought in his demented mind I'll chase them and take them over. And God said, gotcha, big boy. And the rat chased the bait. And the, and the trap snapped on the rat. And Pharaoh was swallowed up in the Red Sea. Stop worrying about the water. It's not for you. It's for your enemy. I'm going to stand right here until somebody praises God appropriately for that promise. The water is not going to drown you. It's going to double contabine. 
Slap somebody, say, hey, neighbor. God is about to set your enemy up. Stop questioning the method of God. He knows. Come on, be real polite and Presbyterian. Touch your neighbor and tell them he knows what to do with your enemy. He knows. He always keeps the enemy from seeing the big picture. I know this because 2 Corinthians tells me, had the princes of this world known what they were doing when they crucified Jesus, they never would have killed him. What does that mean? That means the devil actually had the unmitigated gall and audacity to celebrate when the Son of God hung between heaven and earth and died on a cross. Hell, I believe, literally had a party. The problem is that the devil didn't know that the enemy played right into his hand. You killed him on Friday so that I could raise him up on Sunday and crown him as the king of glory and he became the first fruit of resurrection which means if you're dead you're going to get up just like he did when he was dead I gotta go I gotta go so they questioned his timing they questioned his method and they ultimately questioned his nature if you are entertaining thoughts that God has set you up for frustration, disappointment, and a life of depression, you're believing the wrong report. He's not a mean God. He's a good God. He's not an evil God. He's a good God. He's actually not just full of love, he is love. Simplest, most complete definition of God found in all your Bible. First John, God is love. So they, they questioned his timing. They complained about his timing. They complained about his methods. They complained about his nature. Did you seriously bring us out here to kill us? Who believes that when you just came out of 400 years of captivity? Do you seriously think he brought you out of drug addiction to let you die in religion? Well, I don't know if God wants me to live in awakening and revival and his goodness. Do you think he brought you out of all he brought you out of to let you exist and die in religion? You are not properly thinking about the nature of God. So how do we conquer complaining when it seems so normal to come up out of us? And how do I complain, Pastor? What are you talking about? I want you to bear with me here, but think about your last five or six days, seven days, last week of your life. Don't, like, squirm. Don't wink at me. Don't wave. Don't start crying. Don't fall out. Don't come give an offering. Just... Just like sit there and just think, okay? How much time did you spend complaining about your family, your spouse, your money, your job? You know, complaining started in the garden. God came and looked at Adam and said, where are you? Well, that wife you gave me. 
Seriously, Adam, you dropped the ball and you're going to blame it on Eve? He's complaining about his wife. Chapter 2, she was great. He's looking at her. She has no clothes on. He's like, woo! Chapter 3, he's like, Stop. Okay, stop. Take him out of the church now. Okay, take him out. I'm kidding. It's a joke. Okay. So, so chapter 2, Adam saw what God gave him. It was good. At chapter 3, he falls. God comes looking for him, talks about the problem. What does he do? Complains about the gift God gave him. How much time this past week did your mouth saturate the atmosphere with complaints? I have a feeling that if your life is anything like mine, you complained more than you even knew you were complaining. So how do we stop complaining and conquer it? First of all, you actually have to make it a spiritual thing. You can't just decide to stop complaining because it has deep roots. So before we leave today, we're going to cut a spirit of complaining off by prayer. We're going to invite the Holy Spirit in just to sever the roots of complaint in our heart. So... How many know the fruit of the Spirit is in Galatians chapter 5? Anybody know the fruit of the Spirit? So I, I did something this past week in preparation for this sermon. I went back and I educated myself again on the fruit of the Spirit. I read it four or five times, Zion. I, I just kept reading it. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Good. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Six, seven times. Kept reading it. Love, joy. You know what I found out? In no place... In Galatians 5, was complaining listed as a fruit of the Spirit? So I moved on to 1 Corinthians chapter 13, looking at the gifts of the Spirit. And so I looked at the gifts of the Spirit, and I found the, the power gifts, faith and miracles, and the, the, the spoken gifts, the gift of tongues, the gift of interpretation, gift of prophecy, gift of wisdom and word of knowledge, and the gift of working of wisdom. And, and, I, and I read it again, and all the gifts, all nine gifts. I kept and then I went over to Romans 13, and I read about all the gifts of administration. The gift of, and I read over and over and over about the gifts, the gifts. And nowhere in 1 Corinthians. Corinthians 13 and Romans 13, did I find the gift of complaining? So it's not a fruit of the Spirit and it's not a gift of the Spirit, so we need deliverance. Because we have opened our heart to a spirit that invites others with it. I got real, it got real squeamish when I start talking about spirits, but complaining can get on you and become part of your life and rob you of the joy Jesus died to give you. So how do we stop complaining? Number one, we conquer complaining. Taking notes, write this down. We conquer complaining by looking for God in our difficult situations. I just wrote down in my notes, look for God. You go through a problem, a bad thing happens, the temptation is to open your mouth and say, man, this is horrible. How could you do this to me? What if you stop and with the help of God, you say, God, I don't have to understand this to know that you're good. And I'm going to find out what you're doing in the middle of all this mess because you're very close to me. And just because hell is breaking loose doesn't mean that you're not still good and you're not who you say you are. So look for God. Find God in the bad situations. 
How many know God is not on vacation when bad things happen to you and I? But sometimes it takes searching to find him in the midst of challenges. Like when we go through a challenge, we want God to come in and be like, hey, I'm here, here's my hand. And sometimes God is standing right there, but we have to actually turn our heart toward him and find him in the challenging times. Number two, that was quick. Number two, instead of complaining, remember his faithfulness. Psalm 103. How many jewels I'm transitioning here? Psalm 103. Praise the Lord, my soul, all my inmost being. Praise his holy name. Praise the Lord and forget not all his benefits. Isn't it amazing how we can remember the problems but forget the benefits? How many know that the benefits far outweigh the bad times? Do you know that for every valley there are two mountains? You can't have a valley without two mountains on each side. What does that mean? That means you'll live on top of the mountain twice as long as you stay in the valley. Remember his faithfulness. My kids hate when I talk about them, so I'll talk about them again real quick. Sometimes I'm tempted when... I see something or someone struggling or, you know, one of them gets sick and, you know, you got all this COVID nonsense going on. And, and I mean, when I say nonsense, I'm not talking about the virus. It's real. I'm just talking about all the panic and paranoia. And every, you know, every time one of them get a sniffle, I'm like, I bind alpha, beta, gamma, omicron, delta, mandaba, sotaraba, I rebuke you. And then we give them a test, negative. Okay, praise God, we got deliverance. Thank you, Lord. It's, it's hilarious. But here's the deal. Sometimes we live in a world and the constant, immediate threat pushes out the memory of the faithfulness of God. I'm going to challenge you to do something with the help of the Holy Spirit over the next few days when you are tempted to complain about a problem, a threat, a fear, a situation you don't like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna challenge you by the help of God to stop long enough to remember all of his faithfulness. When I'm tempted to believe something bad is going to happen and that I can't control it and that I wonder, God, are you at, where are you at? I'm reminded of all my children. I, I, I'm reminded of when Zion was a baby born, and she had a prolapse cord, and everybody's screaming, get this, get this, get this, she's going to die, she's going to die, she don't have much time, and I'm like, what's going on? You know, you have this nurse who's like, the Lord's been doing such wonderful things in my life, and then all of a sudden she goes from that to cursing out loud, I'm like, you just backslid in the hospital, what happened? <laughs> she's probably here today, I'm sorry. She's screaming out. Get this, get this. She's going crazy because we only have minutes to live. And I'll never forget, I've told you this story before, stretching out, spread eagle in the hospital floor, nasty hospital floor, pounding on the ground. Don't let her die. Save her. You can save her. Heal her, Lord. And she's a beautiful young lady sitting on the front row today. And God did it. 
So what's the point? The point is, when I'm tempted to complain about the current situation, I have to look at his history. <laughs> Me and you have history. Anybody got a history with him? Do you know what I'm talking about? I mean, can anybody in here... Can anybody in here just look back a little bit over your life and say, me and him have some history. There were some times I wasn't supposed to make it, but I made it. There were some times I didn't think I was going to come through, but he brought me through. I, I can't have a nervous breakdown about this current situation if I take time to look back long enough and remind myself of what he's already done. And here's what I just have to believe about God. He didn't bring me through all that to drop me off and leave me by myself right here. I have to believe if he kept me through that I feel a little preach. I feel a little preach right here. If he brought me through that, he has a plan for my future, and he'll bring me through this. The last thing that I'm through, somebody say conquering, complaining. Last thing is this, practice thanksgiving. Psalm 9, verse 1, engage your heart in gratitude for what he has done. I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart. I will recount all your wonderful deeds. Give thanks with a grateful heart. Give thanks to the Holy One. Give thanks because he's given Jesus Christ, his son, and now let the weak say, I am strong, let the poor say, Somebody said, I thought you were preaching. Yeah, but I got to practice thanks right here in the middle of this sermon because if you ever start thinking about it, you'll start thanking him for it. Let me rewind that and say it one more time. If you ever start thinking about what he's done, you'll start thanking him for what he's done. Some of us can't thank him because we're not thinking right. But I dare somebody in this room right now to start thinking about what he's already done and just Take a moment right here to thank him for all that he has done in your life already. Could it be better? Yeah, but it should have been worse, and we're still here. Anybody thankful? Anybody thankful? If you're, th if you're thankful, I just want you to rise with me today. We're getting ready to go home, but I want us, I want us to conquer complaining in one Sunday. This doesn't take therapy. It takes one moment of God cutting the root of resentment and bitterness and you trusting God is good and he's up to something good in your life. If, if you would say with me, Pastor, I just want this spirit of complaining to not find a place to dwell in my life. I want my mouth to practice thanksgiving because I believe in the goodness of God and I believe my future looks better than my past. My future and your future look better than even where you are right now. I got four of y'all that received that, but I'm going to say it again and give you another chance to catch it. Your future looks better than where you are right now. 
Somebody said, Pastor, I just come out of a divorce. Yeah, but the good news is the next chapter is one of restoration. I just came out of sickness. Yeah, but the next chapter is healing. I just came out of bankruptcy. Yeah, but the next chapter is get back up. God ain't through yet. So how many want to cut complaining out of your life? Right now, I'm not, I'm not starting a seven-step program next Wednesday. Nope. Right here on Sunday morning, how many want to cut it out and say, God, take my life, change my heart, cut the root of resentment and bitterness. I got too much to be thankful for to be a complainer. I got too much of a future to live for than to stay stuck in a complaint. If that's you, throw your hands up right now. God, you see our hearts. And we are bare before you in our hearts. God, we want to be free from the spirit of complaining. I pray right now you will reach down and pull the root of complaining out. Pull the root of bitterness out. Pull the root of resentment out. Some of you are complaining. I hear the Holy Ghost. Thank you, Lord. Some of you are complaining because your ex-spouse lived a crazy life and you're mad that God has given them new life and they are moving on with theirs and you are still stuck in a valley. And the Lord said, if you'll let me take that resentment and bitterness out of you, I'm going to move you immediately into your future and I'm going to move you immediately into your promise. Somebody say, out with the complaining. Out with the complaining. God cut the root out today dig down Holy Ghost tear the root out of it take the pain out of it take the complaint out of it we got too much purpose to live for we got too much destiny to live for and we pray right now that there be a severing of a tie with a spirit of complaining some of you have been through stuff you don't understand. You don't have to understand it to not complain about it. You have to begin to trust God. Reach over, lay your hand on your neighbor's shoulder gently. Lord, right now we pray for one another because we don't want to live in a complaining spirit. We don't want to stand on the outside of our promised land, delayed and denied from a place that belongs to us, but we keep missing it because we keep, we keep opening our heart, which leads to our mouth, for from the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks we keep delaying our future by not being a people of thanksgiving by not being a people who remember the goodness of the Lord so I pray for people right now God that the prophecies over their life would begin to come to pass ah, my God I thank you for it Lord I thank you that this morning you're delivering us from complaining notions complaining natures complaining spirits. Lord, I feel like God's doing a work right now on some of us. It's just like he's got our hearts laid open and with surgery, like surgery, with a tactical scalpel called the Word of God. He's cutting out the complaint. He's cutting out the bitterness. He's cutting out the resentment. And you know what? I feel like there's a dam about to break and joy is about to be restored to some people who've been full of complaining. What if you laugh twi twice as much as you complain? What if you smile twice as much as you complain? What if tomorrow you woke up and instead of remembering all the bad and the evil, what if you just start thinking about all the goodness of God that he's already shown you? So right now, I thank you, Holy Spirit, that in this house and those watching online, in Jesus' name, 
I evict a complaining spirit and I declare the entrance of the peace and the joy of God and what has tried to trap you is broken off of your life right now. What has delayed you is broken off of your life right now by faith in Jesus' name. And may the Holy Spirit release grace on your life to remember the goodness of God and to come to the inevitable conclusion that if he's been that good in my past, he's only going to be more good in my future. And may faith and thanksgiving begin to flow. Come on, we're leaving, but no, we're not leaving till we give him some thanks. We're not leaving till we give him some thanks. I'm going to let you go in just a minute. In fact, you can leave if you want to. I can't keep you here. But if you're going to stay with me for the next 30 seconds, somebody look back over your life. Somebody remind yourself of the goodness of God. Somebody take inventory. And if he's been good, any kind of good, at any kind of time, in any kind of way, if you've seen the hand of God on your life and you know it was the goodness of God, I want you to open up your mouth and shout unto God with a voice of triumph. Clap your, ooh, clap your hands, all ye people. Thank Him for your family. Thank Him for your crazy job with your crazy boss and your crazy co-work. Thank Him. Thank Him for your crazy spouse. At least you got somebody to keep you warm at night. Somebody thank you. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, it's 10 minutes past you want to stay. Tell them we're going to see you tonight at 6 p.m. Devin and I are going to be here if you want ministry, if you want to worship, if you want to experience the goodness of God, the joy of God, the river of God, get here tonight at 6. I love you. Go in the peace of the Lord today. Listen, I believe that God is speaking to hearts right now. If you've watched this message today and something said, brought strength to you and built you up in your spirit, gave you hope for tomorrow, I thank God that in this day and hour that we're living that there is a word from the Lord. And the Bible tells us we don't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. We need the word of the Lord. And today this word, I pray, has produced faith in your heart. You want someone to agree with you in prayer right now. I want to take this moment to pray with everyone watching because I believe God's going to meet needs today. If you're lost and you feel like you're full of hopelessness and sin, just call on the name of the Lord. If you're sick in your body and you need him to touch you, you just call on the name of the Lord. If your family's falling apart and you need God to rescue your family, I want you to know there's a miracle for your family. For those of you who are watching today, let's pray together. Father, move by your spirit right now. Someone's reaching out to you in faith, God. They need a miracle today. They need you to turn their situation around. I thank you that there's no impossibility, there's no problem too hard for you to solve, there's no mountain too big for you to move, Lord. Do it for them today. We agree together in prayer in Jesus' name that lives are being changed right now by the power of God. In Jesus' name, amen. I love you. Be blessed. Check us out on kevinwallace.tv, and I'll see you next week. God bless.